Welcome to the One Church Home podcast. This podcast is directly tied to our weekly teachings. If OCH isn't your home church, we encourage you to get plugged into your local body. We pray the sermon blesses you as we press into the Word of God together. My name is, is Pastor Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here. I say that not a, a, in, in a mocking way, but there have, you know, uh, you might have heard my name, but not seen my face. So I wanted to, to, to here's my face. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to introduce myself this morning. It's an honor for me to be able to bring the word. And, and I think Pastor Shane would agree with this. It's also a pleasure for us. Um, uh, Pastor Ian, y'all, he works really, really hard. And for him to even have, even though it's a work trip, uh, for him to have an opportunity for him and Amanda to get out for a little while and for him to, uh, to, to trust us and to, and, to, and to trust the staff to, to be able to step out, it's a pleasure and an honor for us to do it as well. So we love Pastor Ian. We always wanna support him. And man, he deserves a break. I promise you that. Um, I do wanna tell a little, funny little story. Last time I preached was about a year ago. We did a series called Angles of the Advent. Not angels. Everybody thought that we spelled it wrong. It was Angles of the Advent. And I preached from the, uh, from the perspective of the shepherd. I have a friend. Oh, thank you, Mary. Oh, Mary liked that. So uh, I preach from the, from the perspective of the shepherd. And I have a friend that doesn't attend this body, uh, but he ran into somebody who does. And they didn't know that they, that they both knew me. And so my friend, my friend says, where are you going to church now? He said, I'm, I'm going out to, to Fairview, one church home. And he said, I got a buddy who's out there. His name's Jeff Boyette. He said, he preached this past Sunday. He said, how did he do? And he said, he was very dramatic. I did, a little, I did a little monologue at the beginning. So y'all, I'm gonna try to not be as dramatic this morning, but if I am, you know, listen, I taught the arts for, for seven years. I have, uh, I was in a middle school teacher. There's drama in that, right? <laughs> Woo, two of my students right there. You gotta love it. And so, and also I live in a house full of women. So there, <laughs> I know drama, I know it. But it's an, amen. it's an honor to be here this morning. It's Thanksgiving week. Who all is excited for Thanksgiving, y'all? Woo! Lots of turkey, lots of football, lots of fun, lots of family. And I do wanna say this too, though. Um, the holiday season can be tough for some folks. And so I wanna say, uh, as, as our staff from One Church Home, is that we recognize that the holidays can be hard. Um, we love you. We're praying for you. Don't go through it alone. And that's all I have to say about that, amen? So for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna look at gratitude. I'm gonna kick it off today and then Pastor Ian's gonna wrap it up and then we're gonna dive into the, into the Christmas season, which I'm also very excited about. Today's message is called the magnitude of gratitude. So if you would go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter five, we're gonna start in verse 16. It is very small, but while you're opening there, I just wanna say this, biblically, um, gratitude and thanksgiving um, it's often connected to provision, deliverance, God's character, to meals, to worship. We sang about it this morning. We sang hallelujahs this morning, right? In the Old Testament, it's tied to the word bless or to the phrase to bless, right? And, that, and the Hebrew for that is baruch, baruch. Uh, and, and then in the Psalms, you see it become more prominent. Um, and then in the New Testament, it's tied to the concept of, Greek, uh, of grace, of Greek eucharistia, right? So we're gonna dive into gratitude. First Thessalonians 5, 16, very short. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, 
in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Would you do this? Just put your Bible on your heart as we pray this morning. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for what you've given us, for what you've done through us, for our freedom to worship you whenever we want. We know that that, we don't take that for granted, Lord. We know that that's difficult in some parts of the world. And so, Lord, this morning, let your word and your will be known. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if I took a survey this morning and I asked what gratitude looked like in your life, in your family, I think we all can agree that it's possible that we might recognize gratitude differently right? Depending on our perspective, whatever our perspective is, depending on what's going on in our lives, depending on our circumstances, give thanks in all circumstances. Todd shared, uh, you know, a little about the Guatemala trip. Um, Y'all, if you have ever been on missions, if you've been, I know many of you have, and so uh, we're looking forward to you going to the next mission trip. But when you're on mission, gratitude looks different. It just does. And I think you would be surprised. It doesn't, probably doesn't look different like the way you think it looks, right? It's not a, I'm gonna go on mission and I'm gonna go join and you come back and you go, man, I am glad I don't have to live like that. It's not that at all. It's completely different. The gratitude that God, uh, that, that you, you, you experience there is completely different. Um, God draws us away from our comfort zone. I I joked with first service, I'm gonna say it again, there are food challenges, right? For some of us, right? Y'all, you might, your food might be looking back at you as you eat it. It just brings you out of your comfort zone just a little bit. You might have stomach issues, the temperature might be, I am selling this trip, right? (laughs) Woo, food looking back at you. Bumpy roads, no pavement but your, your perspective has changed. Your perspective is different. As a child, we recognize gratitude differently. Anybody out there ever got socks for Christmas when you were a child? Amen, right? Andrew, preach it. Yeah, socks for Christmas. Um, my dad is sitting in the front row, so it's, 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 I know he knows that I receive socks for Christmas. And you know, you get that look from your parents like, Thank Aunt Clara for the socks. Thank you, Aunt Clara, for the socks. I appreciate the socks. We, we look at it differently. When you're an adult, we understand it just a little bit better. My girls could get me socks every Christmas and y'all, they would be the best socks I have ever received in my life, right? Because the perspective has changed. My mindset as a child and my mindset as an adult. Y'all, last year, my girls got me a one of those um, virtual reality uh, games. They're expensive. They bought it for me. Y'all, I cried. I cried for getting, for getting this game. I mentioned that I wanted it one day. A commercial came on. I didn't expect it. They changed my gratitude into this genuine thing, and it's, it's, it's incredible. How about this? How about from a Christian's perspective, right? Should gratitude look different for a believer than it does for a non-believer? I would testify that it does, that it should. Maybe it doesn't, but I can surely say that it should. Gratitude isn't natural. 
from a world perspective. We'd rather, as, as a world, we'd rather ask for more blessings than be thankful for what we already have. C.S. Lewis puts it beautifully. Gratitude is the opposite of what the world is teaching us. When the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. Thank you, C.S. Lewis. Quick look at 1 Thessalonians and what's going on there. If you, um, that's kind of our foundation scripture this morning. Rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Back in Acts chapter 17, we don't have to go there, but just really quickly, Paul and Silas, they went to Thessalonica. They announced that Jesus was the true Lord of the world, which triggered a pretty major persecution of all the Christians. Paul and Silas had to leave. Fast forward to Timothy giving a report about Thessalonica to Paul um, that he said, not only are they doing well, they are thriving in this persecution. So this letter that Paul is, that we, that we read earlier, so this letter is an opportunity for a reflection, how they are both, Paul and the people of Thessalonica, the Christians in, in Thessalonica are both suffering for Jesus by celebrating them, challenging them to go further and to grow more and to be consistent with Jesus. So this morning, I'm gonna make three points on why I think gratitude is, is not only important, but it's essential in our Christian walk, in our Christian life. So if you go ahead and open your Bibles to, to Luke 15, we're gonna look at, uh, we're gonna, uh, tech team, we're gonna do kind of the same thing. So I appreciate it. This, the, this morning in first service, we have to get out. So second service would come in. So it was a little rushed. I am gonna slow down, but I do wanna, I'll probably do the same thing I did this morning on this. So my first point is where there is gratitude, there is humility, okay? Just really quickly, the parable that we're gonna focus on is the, is the prodigal son, the lost son. But just really quickly, the first one is the lost sheep. Uh, the tax collectors and sinners were drawing in close to hear what Jesus had to say. And the, the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining. This man receives, and I told you I wouldn't be dramatic. I just went into it, it's natural. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Elephant in the room. Do y'all know these people? Like I know these people. These complainers, the ones that are complaining about everything. Some of y'all may be breaking bread with them this week. I don't know. I pray that you're not, but if you do, I love you. So the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and he finds to find the one to find the one sheep, right? The second parable there, the second story in this parable is the lost coin. Jesus tells of a woman who has lost one of her 10 coins, probably a drachma. Uh, which equals a day's wage, it equals a denarius. She sweeps the house. She even uses expensive oil to light her lamp to see there's a whole sermon in that and I'm not gonna go into that. But the last one, the lost son, the third story in the, in the parable, it is the longest, it's the most elaborate. You know the story, but we're gonna kind of summarize it. A man has two sons. One of them asks for his inheritance and he leaves to a far off country. He wastes his possessions a severe famine hits and he finds a job uh, feeding the pigs. In verse 18, he said, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son comes to him, the son confesses. He can't even get a full confession in because the, the, the father doesn't divvy out a punishment, which would have been 
probably what everybody expected. Instead, he tells his servants, bring out the best robe, bring out the ring, bring out the sandals, bring the fatted calf here and kill it to celebrate his son being found. Jealous older brother objects. The father tells him, you are always with me, son, and everything I have is yours. But this is the right thing to do is your brother was lost and now he is found. So where's the, where's the humility? So there is a little bit of humility. Point one is about humility. There's humility in the actions. There's humility in the son going back to the father and begging forgiveness. There's major humility in the father running to the son. Imagine a long robe and him lifting that robe and sprinting toward his son in the distance, right? That is not the custom. He would have been, that would have been frowned upon behavior, but there's humility there too. Um, and then father honoring the son after he humiliated, he took his, he, he humiliated him, right? Here's what we can't forget. This is what I always do. The stories are so beautiful. The characters are so rich, but y'all, this is a parable, Right? We can break these down and have sermons in each one of them, but the bottom line is that this is a parable. This is three stories told by Jesus to make the most important point, and here's that point, the lengths to which God the Father will go to pursue us. He doesn't care about status. He doesn't care about customs. He wants you to come home. Did a little bit of research on the one, the shepherd leaving the 99 to come to the one. Just beautiful images, beautiful imagery of, the, of the, the shepherd holding the lamb over his shoulders. I've even seen it in paintings before and it is, it is lovely, but I did a little research. Instead of the shepherd just escorting the sheep back, do y'all know why he holds it over? There's two reasons why he holds it over his shoulders. One is hold it, hold it with your arms. It's gonna be very heavy and your arm's gonna tie. So it, this is easier. The second reason, which hits home for me more, is because I'm the lost sheep. The second reason is that so the sheep can't get away. Set that sheep down. Isn't that like us? That he comes and he pursues us and he brings us back and sets us down and we run back off. Every time we run back off, he'll come back after us. No matter what you think, no matter where you are in your life, when God has you, when repentance has happened, you can't get away from him. He will carry you. Jesus states it clearly in the, in the lost sheep in verse seven. He says, I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And in the parable of the lost coin in verse 10, he says, likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Church, there's gratitude in the humility of recognizing your sin, repenting of that sin, and pursuing Jesus with all that you are. When we release our pride, when we stop resisting and we humble ourselves, gratitude follows. I have a little example. I have a friend who this week, as I was preparing for the sermon, he texted me and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, I'm preparing my sermon. He said, can I come over to your house and 
your house and sweep up your leaves. And I was like, that is incredible that you would want to do that, but there are so many leaves that are out there. And he said, that's okay, I can get you started. So he came and he started and my pride wouldn't let him do it alone. He wanted to serve me. I wanted to get out there with a blower. He's got this huge machine, I'm with a blower. You know, my pride wouldn't allow him to serve me. His action produced gratitude in me. We have to humble ourselves. James 4, 7 and 10, in verse 10, it says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So where are you with with humility, church? Anybody carrying, you don't have to, you don't have to raise your hand, I'll raise mine, but anybody carrying a little bit of pride about something? Humility. How about your actions? Are your actions producing gratitude? Point number two, where there's gratitude, there is rest. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We live in a world that lacks rest. Anxiety, depression, they're very real. I came out of the, out of the education system. I was, in, I, was in middle, I was a middle school teacher for seven years. And along with teaching the arts, I also was a, was a counselor to a lot of these kids. I would do these restorative counseling sessions that would, that, would, that, would, that would assist them with where they are. And here's what I found. The anxiety and the depression that those kids felt at that age was so overwhelming to them. Here's where it came from. It came from consistently. It came from pressure from parents. It came from pressure from peers. And it came from social media. What other people thought about them, what other people wrote about them on social media, that's where they carried their anxiety. That's where their, their depression came from. And so knowing that, I want to tell you something that might be hard to believe, or maybe you've heard it before. Um, I'm not a brain surgeon or a neurosurgeon, but I can tell you that, and I can't give you the neurotransmitter jargon and tell you why this is what it is, but it's out there, it's research. Did y'all know that the brain can't respond? Listen to this. The brain cannot respond to anxiety and gratitude at the same time. Think about that. Our world, you can think of somebody right now probably that's dealing with it. You might be dealing with it yourself. Anxiety is debilitating. Depression is debilitating. But to know that there is a little bit of hope that if you fill your mind, you fill that side of your brain with with gratitude, anxiety, at least for the moment, anxiety can't show up as well. This morning after the first message, I had a a friend share, the Gills actually came up to me and caught me and uh, they shared something that was just so beautiful that I I had to share this. So this this was the saying, and I'm not gonna get it exactly right, but depression is in the past. Anxiety is in the future. Peace is in the moment. So let's be practical. How do we separate our lives, ourselves from the world? How do we find peace? How do we find rest in the moment? 
First, we can unplug. We can unplug from the norm. We can unplug from the world. Phones, internet, apps, social media. I, I said this first too. I want to do a study. Maybe it's already been done. So it was my idea first. But I want to do a study and compare the numbers of when the increase in anxiety happened to see where that aligned with when social media came into the world. I think it's real. It's probably been done. In 1964, journalist uh, Eric Savard, he was quoting, this was, he, he, he was an older guy. He died way back in the 90s. Um, but he was a journalist and he was, he, he, he was quoted as saying, the biggest, this is in the 60s, 64, the biggest business in America is not steel, automobiles, or television. It is the manufacturer, refinement, and distribution of anxiety. What in the world would he say today? So how do we answer to anxiety? We unplug from the world. We plug in to Jesus. We connect with him. He invites us in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Verse 28 says it right there. He says, he invites you, come to me, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Three ways we can do that. We can pray. Jesus sets the example for us. He's showing us how to connect with him. In verse 35 of Mark, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. What do we call that? We call it a quiet time. Jesus set that up. This is something we just like, what do we, let's call it a quiet time and just find a quiet space. Jesus set that up for us, right? So what do you pray for? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God by everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Second thing we can do is we can read. Uh, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word is sharper than a two-edged sword. We can take it into battle. Jesus, if you remember, Jesus took it into battle and being tempted by the enemy to make stones into bread. He said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but the every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's Matthew 4, 4. He quoted scripture to the devil when he was in a battle with him. With every temptation that the devil put before him, he destroyed it with God's word. Third thing we can do is we can worship. We can, we can pray, we can read the Bible, read the word, and we can worship. Y'all was so blessed by worship this morning. First, second, and seventh, second, second, first service and second service, just each one of them hit me differently. Acts 16, 25 to 26, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Beloved, do you want your chains loosed? We can hide them and pretend that we don't have them behind our back, but we have chains and we're in bondage and we need to find a way to loosen those. 
when you're worshiping, it is far more difficult for the enemy of your soul to be in your thoughts when you're praising God. And he does not care what your voice sounds like. My wife is not in the first service, but when I said he does not care what your voice sounds like, she said, amen. We praise him no matter what. So reading, praying, worshiping, these are actions that renew us spiritually and produce gratitude and give us rest in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Point number three, and I'll go through this pretty quickly. Where there is gratitude, there is healing. I'm gonna read this entire scripture in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice glorified God, he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were not there 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Just to summarize this passage very quickly, Jewish custom in, Jew, in the Jewish, it would, have been, it would have made Jesus unclean just to walk through Samaria. Leper's announcement. Do y'all remember when a leper is, uh, is identified when somebody approaches a leper, what is a leper supposed to say out loud scream? Unclean, unclean, unclean. It's a warning, stay away from me, I am unclean. In this case, y'all, what did they cry for? They didn't cry unclean. They saw Jesus and they said, mercy. Mercy. They knew who they were in the midst of. Jesus said to them, go show the priests. Go show the priests, more than one priest. I'm sure the priests were very busy when Jesus was at work. So go show the priests. They had to take action to be healed. And they went, as they, as they went, as they took the action to go, they were healed. Their action required faith. So they moved to the priests. As they were going, they were healed. And only one of them, the outsider, the foreigner, that's the outsider, came to Jesus, fell on his face and expressed gratitude. He was a Samaritan, an alien. Jesus isn't mocking him by saying this foreigner, right? He's just, he's, he's identifying him as, the, as the, uh, the outsider. He said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Y'all, all 10 were healed of their leprosy, but only one was made well in his soul. And what did it start with? It started with gratitude. Everybody else received the healing and they took off. He received the healing, recognized it, went straight to Jesus, fell on his face, got at his feet, 
and thanked him. In gratitude, there is there's healing, there's rest, there's humility in all circumstances. I wanna just read our foundational scripture again. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Also, after the first service, I had somebody come up to me and we were talking specifically about how this, this uh, the passages, um, how they, they impacted him with what, what is going on in, in his life. And he reminded me of something that I wanna share. And that is the will, the will of God. The will in the Greek is thelema. The will of God, y'all, is his desires for you, his wishes for you. That's what that word said. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the desire of God. So I wanna say this morning as we wrap up, I don't know about you, but I don't desire to be like the one or like the nine. I desire to be like the one. Don't you wanna turn back? Don't you wanna praise God with a loud voice, fall at his feet and give him thanks? This morning, I wanna say that there's gratitude and healing, rest and humility. If you're prideful, would y'all do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes for a second? I know we've done that a lot this morning, but I'm not gonna ask you to do anything weird. I just want you to think about this. If you're prideful and resistant to a move of God in your life and you're struggling with humility, come to Jesus. If you're filled with anxiety and you're struggling to rest, come to Jesus. If you're broken and hurting emotionally or physically and it's your desire to be healed, come to Jesus. Beloved, the creator of the universe wants to be in relationship with us. Is he not worthy of our gratitude? So while your eyes are closed, I just wanna, I'm not gonna do a formal invitation this morning. We don't need a formal invitation with music playing and, and people responding and coming down. But I do wanna say this, that if you wanna know Jesus like the leopard did, and you wanna fall on your face, and you want to give him gratitude. And today you want to make, you want to know him. You want to make a decision for him. When we say amen, Pastor Shane will be down here. I'll be down here. There'll be others that'll be down here. If you want to pray with somebody, if you want to talk with somebody, if you want this day to be the day that you say, I surrender all. If you want this day to be the day that you say, God, put me over your shoulders and carry me back so I can't get away from you. Let this day be the day.
Lord, we love you. We are so grateful. We battle so many things in this world, Lord, and they tear us down. We know you have a plan for us. And even though if we don't understand it, Lord, we believe that it is true and we trust you. So Father God, this morning, help us to give it all to you. In a week where we celebrate gratitude with family, with friends, with other people, Lord, let this be the week that we set it all aside, all those things that don't matter, Father. We know that as Luke 15 tells us, that you leave the 99 to find the one. That you forget about the other nine coins to find the one. That you lift your robe and run to us because you seek us. We know, Lord, that the angels in heaven celebrate when just one comes to know you. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that there is anybody that's out there that wants that, that needs that that desires that. Even if they don't come and talk to somebody, Lord, I pray right there where they're sitting, that they make a decision for you. And after they've made that decision for you, Lord, that they, that they reach out to somebody and they tell them and they share that news. Jesus, thank you for your gift, for dying for us, for loving us, for trusting us, for walking alongside us. We pray all these things. In the matchless name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. Y'all have a wonderful, safe Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week for one service at 10 a.m.